This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Um, a couple of things I want to touch on now that we've had three games to watch Orloff on the top unit. What do you guys think? I mean, I personally it hasn't jumped off the page to me. He hasn't been terrible. He's just been a guy. And I just don't think that when the coaching staff put him there, they were just looking for a guy. They tried to see if he could provide some pop. And I just don't think he has. I so can I answer first? Um, I think I think that the rotations like I I feel like there's still more there. I feel like because of the other changes that have been like made, they want to move like McAvoy with uh, today it was Grizzly on the second unit um, to try to get Bertuzzi involved on the second unit and whatnot. I just feel like they still they they. Still might want to give him a longer look there. The power play in general has been bad. I wouldn't say it's necessarily stemming from Orlov being on that top unit. It just, like we mentioned, the, the two shorthanded goals against didn't have anything to do with that. It was, you know, forwards um, not making the right plays with the puck. So I, I think there's still potential there, and we haven't seen it yet in these last three games, but I think that it could be something I'm not necessarily sure what adjustment they can even do right now to try to get the power play going. It's, it's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, we're trying this and we're trying that. And um, none of it's working quite yet, but um, I think Orlov, I would try him there for a little longer, especially if you start to see the power play clicking a little bit, it might be easier for him to get that set up uh, for the one timer um, in the right circle. Like he scored on, uh, I don't know how many games ago that was, but yeah, I, I I would give it a little bit longer, but you know, to me, the power play struggles like aren't even haven't even been about like who's at the quarterback spot. It's one, it's entries which cost them a lot this weekend, and two, in the zone, they've just they had been way too stationary. I thought we started to see a little more movement, and I thought the few looks that they've gotten have been with guys kind of rotating and popping up in different spots. Like the goal on Saturday, it's DeBrus kind of circling out to the left circle, taking a pass from Orlov and then hitting Bergeron, you know, moving away from his DeBrusque, moving away from his regular net front spot and forcing the PK to defend it in a different way because you're throwing something different at them. On Sunday, I thought a couple the couple times where anything looked remotely promising was when like Pasenak switched over to the right or Martian switched over to the left. Again, just rotation, guys in different spots. Like they have to they have to give teams different things to think about because the setup of okay, defenseman at center point, 
Pasternak left circle, Marshand right circle, Bergeron bumper, DeBrusque net front. Team Teams know they're doing that, and they know what plays they're looking for. And if they're just standing in those spots and not moving, like, yeah, they could still make magic happen, but they're so much easier to defend when they're always just in the same spots. So to me, it go like that's not something that gets broken or fixed by whichever defenseman is running the, the point. That's just like a team-wide thing that they need to have a different approach and just have more movement and be willing to flip guys to different wings, you know, rotate different guys down to the net front, rotate guys out high, like just have movement. I, I don't think, I think, I think Brad Marchand said it best last week when I asked him, he said, you know, we're not a very good power play when we're just stationary. I think that's accurate. So stop being stationary, like more, more of the movement that they show. I think that goes for any team really. Uh, that's, that's, you can't, you can't, you can't be sitting there standing still and expect good things to happen. It's just, it's just, it's, it's too tough in this league. You know, I think philosophically on the power play, I feel like once the Bruins do get into the zone, cause I agree with you, Scott, zone entries have been an issue for them, but when they do get in the zone, I feel like they, they try to get shots from the elbow before they get shots from the middle. And I think it should be the other way around. Like, I think you should be getting the puck to the top of the umbrella and whoever that quarterback is, whether it's McAvoy, Lindholm, Morlock, whomever, like they gotta they gotta work on getting shots through from the top, and the, from, from the middle, and not have them get blocked. And then, as I've said in the past, then those those seams open up elsewhere because you're you know you're getting pucks to the net, you're scrambling the PKers, and and then you can open up those elbow those elbow shots. But I don't like I don't like setting the tone with shots from the elbow because half the time it misses the net and it rims around, and it's out of your zone. So I just feel like that's another thing too, and and you know also making sure that when you're on the power play that you're winning your fair share of, of face-offs. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I just feel like lately during this stretch, that hasn't been the case uh, a ton. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, that, those are my two cents right now on the power play. It's just one of those things where you can overanalyze it, but they just got to get some confidence going. That stems from putting one or two in the back of the net. Um, I feel like uh, I want us to throw over to you, uh, you two, the – the addition of Tyler Bertuzzi and is, are my eyes mistaking me or does he seem like a player who has a lot more to give? It's just that it's, he's in a new environment. He's with a new team, a different role. Like I feel like in Detroit, if, if he was on the Red Wings today playing the Bruins, I feel like he, he would have been all over the place under the Bruins skin, chirping the bench, probably a goal, but Instead, he's on the other side of the ice today with the Bruins, but I just feel like he's still trying to carve out a role for himself, and he's trying to get get used to the differences of being in the away locker room against Detroit. Um, I feel like he he has a lot more to give, and I'm not saying he's not going to give it to the Bruins before the uh, playoffs come or when the playoffs come, but do you feel like he's just kind of fighting it a little bit right now on a new team? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think, you know, what we've seen of him – in terms of good is his playmaking is very high end. And we've seen him have a lot of really nice setups to, to his line mates. Um, you know, I think moving around as much as he has might be part of it. He hasn't really totally gotten used to playing with any one line yet. You know, we guess the first couple games with 
Coyle and Frederick, and they scored right away and, you know, showed some promise. Then Montgomery wants to see what he looks like with Krejci and Pasenak, which I think is understandable. Like this, it's not even a criticism. I, I think it's fair to want to see what he looks like in different spots. Um, but, you know, that's now a different style game than you were just playing on the third line. Uh, Krejci and Pasenak, very different players than Coyle and Frederick. So, you know, now you kind of have to adapt and he ends up only getting about four periods of that. Then he gets moved up to the top line. And I thought, I actually thought that move of him up to the top line and DeBrusque down to the third kind of got the team going. I actually thought that top line looked pretty good with him there. And I thought DeBrusque helped spark the third line. Brian, like you said, I think Coyle and Frederick had been a little quieter than usual. Um, so, you know, they did, they had a good shift on uh, the Lindholm goal on Saturday. So th- there was that. Um, but yeah, like, I just feel like if he actually gets like a few games in a row in one spot, you might start to see more. I do want to see him use a shot a little more and, you know, look to score. It does seem like he's deferring a little bit. You know, he wants almost like he wants to prove to his teammates that like he can, you know, he can help make them better type thing. Um, we know he can score goals. He had 30 of them last season. So it'd be nice to see him, uh, you know, use that shot a little bit more and, and look to get chances for himself in addition to just setting people up. I can see why he might have come in and, and be like looking to pass more than shoot. You're you're going to a team where they're the number one team in the league. You're you're coming in and you're you understand that chemistry is something you don't want to be part of messing up. So you might be a little bit overcautious to get yourself involved as much and and you know kind of just find yourself deferring to some of the other guys um, that you're that you're playing with. But either way, I would like to see him more on the first line just because we're trying it out. I saw someone tweeted this. I think it was Ty Anderson was just like, I don't even care. Like just just you're down by four goals. Just throw everything in the mixer. Just put like whoever together, whatever you want to see. Just try it like you're down by four. I mean, obviously, they did come back and make it closer, but you have the the option to just go to try anything in that situation without any um, risk or worry about it. But I, I do think I'd like to see him on the first line a little bit more because that's where we have yet to see him. Um, before Brian pops off, though, I did want to get to the – and we talked about this on Sunday Skate earlier, but um, – some big news from this weekend was that Hall's second opinion might actually have come back better than the first look at it that they got and that him and Flino's timeline could both be right around the end of the regular season. Um, they might be back for the playoffs. Well, wouldn't that be something, huh? I feel like that's exactly the way they kind of drew this one up, but um, no, all joking aside. Yeah, are, you, are you trying to say that, um, Oh wow! Look, he's back right when he's supposed to be back. Like right when, right at the end of the LTIR. <laughs> I think, um, I think that the Bruins knew that these guys wouldn't be out longer than maybe a couple of playoff games from the get-go. Um, I think what the news that you that you just provided, um, I think, gives comfort to myself and you know Scott Bruins fans, whomever Bruins themselves, that like these guys. They, they will be back. Um, it's just, and, and it's, I think it, I think the benefit here is that if they can get back into the lineup before the playoffs start, 
it just helps not have so much, so, so many new looks come playoff time. Like the old adage is you want to be playing your best hockey, right? When the playoffs start, how can you be playing your best hockey if you enter the playoffs with a couple of lines that have never played a game together because of the combination of injuries with new trade line um, acquisitions, right? So that part kind of makes me a little trepidatious as far as like, okay, well, great. Taylor Hall's back for game one, round one. He's playing with Coyle and Bertuzzi, but they haven't played a game together. And it's just, it's not that they wouldn't do well in that game. I would just like to, I would would love to see these guys get back in before the first game of the playoffs. And it sounds like what you're talking about, Bridget, might, might be cause for optimism that that might be the case. It was, yeah. And I I just want to give credit because it was Emily Kaplan from ESPN. That was the one who came with the reporting last, last game against Detroit. So the, the Saturday game against Detroit, I can't wait to see that line. I can't wait to see Hall um, and Bertuzzi on the same line together. I think I've said that on an earlier podcast. Like, who the hell thought that you could watch a Bruins line that has Hall and Bertuzzi on it? <laughs> if you had told me that a few years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy. But I'm excited to see it. Then the new question becomes, you know, what happens to Trent Frederick? And what happens to the fourth line when Felino comes back? Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if it is going to be Hall Coyle Bertuzzi because to Brian's point, like they might, you know, if you're trying to throw that line together game two of a playoff series, like that could be tough. So I wonder if maybe part of, you know, testing Bertuzzi in the top six is, Hey, you know, what does this look like? Does he potentially have a home here? And then it could be Hall Coyle Zaka or Hall Coyle DeBrusque, which you know, while those lines haven't been together a ton, have at least played together. Um, at, you know, as for Frederick, we we talked about this on Sunday Skate, and Razor and I were both kind of on the same page that, like, if everyone's healthy, he, along with A.J. Greer, unfortunately might be an odd man out because, you know, you would have, like, nine clear top nine forwards, and you'd say, okay, well, Frederick goes down to the fourth line, but... If Felino's there, he's playing if he's healthy. Hathaway, I think you brought in to play and be part of that identity on, on your fourth line. And Jim Montgomery really values what Nose brings in the faceoff circle as a penalty killer, you know, on defensive zone shifts. So I don't, you know, Frederick, not as good on faceoffs, not not as experienced killing penalties and all that. So I don't know that he would just like bump Nosek out. I think Frederick could potentially end up as the odd man out. Yeah, I agree with that, Scott. And I feel like, oddly enough, Frederick's like a – he. while he's had so much improvements this year in his game, especially offensively, he doesn't he, – he hasn't shown enough as a, as a fourth liner in the past to to be like, well, I'll just drop him down and he'll, he'll, be, he'll fit in great in that fourth line. Because people sometimes can make the, the misconception that, like, just because you're a top nine player, that means you can be a solid fourth liner because it's further down in the depth chart. But that's not that's not always the case because it's a certain role that you're looking for in that fourth line. Now, does Trent Frederick have size, grit, toughness? Yeah, he does. He does. But I he hasn't. But I feel like the fourth he hasn't been a part of the fourth line this year. I'll put it to you that way. He a couple of games here and there, a couple of shifts here and there. But for the most part, he's been a third liner on this team this year. And the fourth line, regardless of the combination of of Felino, Nosek, Hathaway, Greer. Um, that fourth line has been really good all year. And those four guys 
have, again, those four guys being the combination of players for the most part being on that fourth line, I'm less worried about, all right, like if you have Taylor Hall and Bertuzzi both in your top nine, obviously, like, I, you know, it affects your fourth line, right? Because it's like, okay, well, now Felino is definitely in the fourth line, but what happens with Frederick? I'm less worried about what happens to the fourth line if Frederick's gone in the in the press box because the fourth lines may do without him all year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what the combinations are, but um, I, I would agree with you on that point, Scott. I think that Greer and, and, and Frederick will be the odd guys out. And, um, and of those guys, I think Greer would be the next guy called into the lineup for what I just talked about. If that fourth line needs some, some piss and vinegar, I feel like AJ Greer would, would run around like a Tasmanian devil out there if he were to get into a game. So great problem to have. I mean, it just goes to show the depth this Bruins team has when you're talking about two players that have been, you know, mainstays this year on the roster. I mean, I, I guess you could say AJ Greer has been in and out a little bit, but he's, he's been a major part of that fourth line this year. You get to the playoffs and all of a sudden they're out of the lineup. It's, it's, it's great depth. It's depth this team hasn't had in quite some time. 